You're listening to the Technology for Mindfulness podcast, episode 69, hosted by me, Robert Plotkin. Today, I'm going to be speaking with speaker, author, and global executive coach, Dr. Wayne Purnell. Wayne is passionate about living intentionally, boldly, and lovingly to teach, touch, and transform the lives of others. You can find out more about Dr. Wayne at waynepurnell.com. That's W-A-Y-N-E-P-E-R-N-E-L-L.com. I'm extremely pleased to welcome Dr. Wayne Purnell to the Technology for Mindfulness podcast. In the interview that you're about to hear with Dr. Wayne Purnell, you'll hear him talk a lot about ways in which you can take small but significant steps to be more of who you want to be in your life. And for today's tip, I'm going to suggest focusing on small steps in changing your relationship with technology in the direction that you want to go. And we're still pretty close to the beginning of the year, around that time when we tend to make New Year's resolutions and look forward. So whatever it is that you want to improve, whether it is spending less time on your devices, bringing a more open, warm attitude towards your time on social media, <laughs> you know, spending more time connecting positively with people with technology, keeping your phone out of your bedroom, whatever your goal is, one way you can try to approach that is by taking small steps towards it instead of trying to do everything all at once. So if you want to cut down your social media time by an hour, maybe start reducing it by five minutes one day and keep it that way for a few days and then another five minutes and then another five minutes. Whatever your goal or intention is, see if there's some way in which you can divide it up into much smaller, manageable steps. And then, as you'll hear Dr. Wayne talk about in the interview, focus in the present moment on each small step as you are practicing it without getting ahead of yourself and thinking too much about the future and the enormity of what you might think is ahead of you. So that's my suggestion. Try to break down your, your technology goals into small steps. Take them one step at a time. And of course, if you slip, if you miss, if you don't make the progress you want, as we all expect will happen, practice some non-self-judgment and, and continuing forward even in the face of what might feel like a small failure, which is just a natural part of being human, and then continue back and go back on to your plan of taking those small incremental steps forward. Hope you find this helpful, and I'm sure you're really going to enjoy and benefit a lot from the upcoming interview with Dr. Wayne Purnell. Hi, Dr. Wayne, and welcome to the Technology for Mindfulness podcast. How much fun is this, Robert? <laughs> this is great. No, this is going to be a blast. <laughs> I want to make sure that we spend some time, you know, talking about how you help people to be focused and, and productive and, and not distracted, both in relation to technology and otherwise. But could you give people just a little bit of background about yourself, you know, where you come from and how you got started and then how you got into doing your work on coaching people for, for leadership and focus and productivity? 
So there I was. Uh, yeah, I, I got my background, my doctorate in clinical psychology. I, I went all the way through. I got my doctorate. I was doing regular, normal, what I thought was normal counseling. I was doing some couples counseling. And this guy calls me later and he goes, hey, hey, Wayne, you really helped me and my wife. And I thought that was a really nice call. And, and he goes, oh, but that's not why I'm calling. I'm like, what's up? He goes, well, I, you know, that thing you did, that, that thing you did with me and my wife. I'm like, that thing I did? You know, <laughs> like the, the communication stuff, like to get you to talk better together? He's like, yeah, yeah, that. Can you help me and my vice president do something like that? Mm. And that was a huge surprise because I hadn't really been focusing on him as a president of a major company in South San Francisco. And I began doing work with him and his vice president. And about the fourth time I showed up, the line staff was out front and they were, they were applauding my arrival. <laughs> and they're like, oh, you're here. I'm like, wait, what? And they point up. They, they're standing out and they point up to the top floor and they go, look, they are talking so much better together. They are clearer on the direction mm -hmm. and that makes them clearer with us about their expectations, about where the company's going, about how we're supposed to do our job. Thank you for being here. And before I knew it, I was doing, it wasn't even a thing yet. Um, I was doing organization development. I was meeting with the line staff. I was meeting with middle management. I was meeting with senior management. And you know, my path had taken a left turn. And so I began really focusing on how do I connect the bridges? How do I help senior leaders get really clear on their direction based on their values? You know, and, and so many times leaders, and as we talk about technology, this is the case as well, we, we forget what our values are because we're so lost in the process. And, and so what I do is I work with people to get back into their values. Who are they? How are they? And is who they're becoming, is that who they want to be, or are they just carrying on from who they were? And that's a huge push. And so this, you know, I did this, I did all this about 35 years ago, a little bit more, actually. And since that time, I've been working with major companies. Along the way, I've worked with Schwab, 3Com, Whole Foods Market, AAA, Safeway, Simplex, Grinnell. I mean, the list is big with some senior leaders out there. And What's interesting is I've worked with entrepreneurs as well, and the issues are the same. It doesn't matter the industry. The issues are the same. And it's, I don't know who I'm supposed to be, or I've come this far and I feel successful, but I don't feel fulfilled. And those are huge because that's the human condition. And so the breakthrough coaching I do is to get people back in touch with the values and focused on a new, a new vision for a new tomorrow and really aligned with who do you need to become to be the person that leads your organization tomorrow, not who were you that got you here today, right? So it's been, it's been a great journey and to be able to, to help others literally around the world, it has been incredible. Yeah, it's amazing and that you wasn't something that you you planned for, but obviously you found that all of your years of training in psychology was really very applicable to business. Yeah, I want to touch on something you said about the similarity between what arises in 
business and, and technology, you said something along the lines that people end up getting pulled along in a certain direction that may not be what their plan or intention was, uh, whether you use those words or not, you know, that they find that they're going along a certain path. Could you talk a little about, well, I think we've all had the experience of feeling that way. And we talk about it a lot on this podcast with technology, the feeling that the technology is pulling you. Uh, but maybe you can talk about wh- how that actually happens without getting into too much of the details. Psychologically, how is it? And here we're talking right now, just after New Year's, you know, that we can set plans, <laughs> New Year's resolutions, and have the intellectual desire maybe to do, but not then always follow through. What is it that causes that to happen? And then what is the work that you do to help people, I would assume, realign their actions with what their their intent is? Oh, that's great, Robert. So here's what happens. We have these great intentions because new year, new decade, new me, you know, and and it's like we we iron the Superman cape or, you know, the Wonder Woman cape and (laughs) And it's like, I'm going to face this new decade and, and we'll see what it brings. And that's where people go wrong. That's exactly where people go wrong. We'll see what it brings is different than let me be clear about what I bring to it. And that is the key. Because if you are prepared for I'm going to make this difference, then as new technology is developed, you don't get swept up in it. You make it a tool that helps you to leverage your mission, right? And so, you know, even as a, a in a personal space, if your if your vision is I'm going to get my body back in shape, right? Then you you take action on that, you know. And I actually have a four step process, which I think will help to answer the second part of your question. I call it the gift. And it's G-I-F-T, which makes it kind of easy to remember. Look, we, we start from somewhere. A lot of people go, well, I have these big ambitions, but are they good enough? Or am I good enough? And people will say things that are really demeaning to themselves, their business, their, their relationships. And it's like, look, the G for gift is you have to have gratitude for what you have and where you are. Have gratitude for what you already have. The body that you so desperately want to change, that's the body that is going to help you change it. So be grateful that you have this thing that still moves and breathes. And people just forget to, I think in general, forget to take inventory of, uh, you know, I'm doing okay. I want to be better. So then you have to initiate doing something different right? So the, the I, because we're doing gift, G-I-F-T. So you've got gratitude for G. I is initiate. Do something, anything towards your next goal. Did you lay out your clothes for your next workout? Did you throw out the candy in the cupboard? Like October has come and gone. We're through the holidays. There's still remnants that have allowed most people, the average, believe it or not, is in a three-month span, between October and the end of December, people have gained 12 pounds. You know, take initiative, do, initiate some small action where you are cleaning up your environment, you're preparing yourself, you're getting yourself ready, and even a small step creates momentum, right? So you get, you get over the inertia, which is another I. Basically, it's initiate, right? So have gratitude for what you already have, 
initiate doing something, anything that gets you that step closer. The F in gift is to follow through. So you started and, you know, the statistics on people who join a gym in January and stop going in February, they're astounding. It's it's over 70% and some areas it's 90%. It's ridiculous, you know? And so really it's about follow through. And it's not, did you join a gym? It's, did you lay out your clothes for working out every day? Did you set a timer on your phone? Since we're talking about technology, did you set a timer on your phone that you're using technology that allows you to disconnect from technology and be really present in your relationships, right? So follow through, you set up something that allows you to not only just initiate taking steps, but also to do them over and over and over and start thinking about what's next. What, what's the next step you're going to take? If this works for you, what's the next thing? You can't, for example, go to the gym and go, hey, you know, I worked out for an hour. So an hour is sort of like three 20 minute sessions, isn't it? It's like, no, that's one longer session. Hey, well, I brushed my teeth once this week. Isn't that good? No, you've got to follow through. And so that's that's the case with when you're working with technology. It's the case when you're working on mindfulness, true, true mindfulness. Well, I meditated once. Awesome. Good for you. Well, I disconnected and talked to my wife once. Oh, that's great. How's your relationship going? You know, so follow, you've got to be able to follow through. Take another step and another step. And then the T in the in the acronym of GIFT, gratitude, initiate, follow through. The T is to tinker. because we humans actually like to do different things. If we get into a routine that's good and predictable, we do like that. And we also don't like routine. Mm-hmm. Doing something that just takes us to the next thing again. So tinker with your routine, right? We like to have novelty. We like to have things that are new to us. And so, you know, if you are going to the gym, Go try a different machine. Go try a different, you know, a different, take a different class. Go at a different time of day, drive there or walk there a different route. Like just tinker with routine just a little bit, change it up. And that's how you get the four steps, the gift, gratitude for what you have, initiate doing something, anything toward that goal, right? You can't sit on the couch and order a pizza and wish that you had lost 20 pounds, right? So you have to do something, anything toward that goal. G-I-F is follow through. Do, do it and do it again because it's working. You can't expect big change after just one. So do it again, follow through. And then after a little bit, tinker. I really like it. I mean, it's easy to remember. I, it, it seems to me like all of these interact with and support each other. I assume that you can be feeling gratitude at each step, right? After you initiate, you know, feel some gratitude that you were able to initiate. And there's some other aspects that strike me about how you described it, which is that along the way, each step sounded like it can be small. And I, you know, I know from experience, I think we all know from experience, one of the ways we sabotage ourselves is by not necessarily picking a goal that's too big, but by picking the intermediate steps that are too big without small actions. And that the tinkering can be small, the initiation can be small, you know, tell me if I'm wrong. The follow through can be small, but it has to be something that's also important. 
I'm sitting here smiling and nodding the whole time. This is <laughs> right on Robert. This is absolutely yeah. right. That it's do have gratitude every step of the way, right? And and that's one of the places where people fall down is to celebrate their success. You know, this is an audience of high performers and people who want more, know they can be more. And so every little step doesn't feel like enough. Well, guess what? It's enough in this step, like give yourself that credit. High performers tend to feel like, well, you know, I worked out for 40 minutes. I could have worked out for 45. Well, I worked out for 45. I could have worked out for an hour. I could have done two hours. I should have run a half marathon on that treadmill. It's like, no, 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 no. You got yourself to the gym. That's awesome. You laid out your clothes and you actually <laughs> put them on in, in the freezing cold of the morning, you know, winter morning. It's like, that's huge, right? So allow yourself to celebrate those small successes and do have gratitude keep initiating keep doing the small the small steps because that's what allows for the major progress i'll give you an analogy real quick if if i can that's yeah absolutely so mountain climbers i learned this from a from somebody who is a mountain climber in the winter they do ice climbs and their progress is 7 inches at a time, seven inches to climb a mountain. They pull out their boot, they raise up seven inches, they stab the the ice of the mountain with their other boot, they pull themselves up, they pull out their bottom boot, they pull up seven inches, they stab the mountain so that it clings, right? Seven inches at a time to get up a mountain. How committed do you have to be to do that? That's small incremental steps. Or do they ever get to the top? Yeah. How? By follow through. They get there by follow through, right? One step and then another and then another. Seven inches at a time gets you to the top of that mountain. It's very much um, consistent with mindfulness practice, which is to be focused on the present, right? It's the moment you live in is the present. That's all you have at any time. It's funny. I think of, uh, I read an answer on Quora recently. The question was something like, how do you achieve your, your huge goals? And someone who I think had been in the army, some branch of the military, his answer was, I learned this lesson when I was assigned latrine duty years ago. I think it was like a day of latrine duty, which ended up being 40, 50 oh. latrines, you oh. know? <laughs> and, and what was his answer, which he then took for the rest of his life? Exactly what you said. He said, I just treated it as if I had one latrine to clean at a time, you know? And I focused on that one. And if I had kept thinking about the next yes. 49 <laughs> that I had to do, you know, yes. I never would have gotten right? through and when it's done, you've got this incredibly, you know, clean path, and then it's not so clean and you have to do it all over. It seems Sisyphean at times. It seems like, you know, there's this boulder, you've rolled it up the hill, and then it rolls back down, and then you got to take that boulder and roll it back up the hill. In my studies, I had a, I had a professor that said, if you think about it, Sisyphus actually liked it. It's like, what? what? How is that possible? It's like it gave him meaning. And I think, I think if you put that back in context too, that, you know, if you're working on yourself, whether it's meditation, whether it's getting to a gym, whether it's journaling, whether it's serving one person or a hundred thousand people, you are in a space of doing work to get there. That work is meaningful. So if you are working by working out, 
awesome. That's meaningful work because it makes you a better you. If you were working by somehow committing your voice to lift others, you know, a hundred thousand others or more or less, you know, one person at a time, that goes back to something else I'm, I'm hoping we'll touch on, you know, one person at a time, it makes a huge difference. That's where you get meaning is when you've made a difference. And so, you know, whether it's latrine duty or whether it is something other, you know, something that other people would find uh, more palatable or respectful without that. I mean, think about it. If we didn't have somebody who did that, what would, what would public restrooms be like? What would military restrooms be like at home? What would our own bathrooms be like if, if we didn't take time to get them clean? So it does make meaning. It does allow you meaning even in the small stuff or what seems like small stuff. Yeah. So you mentioned this importance of, of one person at a time. And I know that you are doing some new work related to this with a, a new movement, actually, that you're forming. I wonder if you could tell people about this. And to me, it, it all seems related. You know, starting with one is similar to initiating a step that's maybe small, following through in a small way, tinkering. It seems like this is a theme that's coming out of your work and how you work with people. It's really uh, been quite the evolution to begin working with individuals, then couples, then, you know, be speaking in front of thousands and then to come back and go, wow, you know what? The work really is about rehumanization and we need to rehumanize uh, like our world is hurting so badly right now that we need to find a way to rehumanize each other. And whether you are in a family, in a relationship or leading a team or, you know, for me, I travel. It's like, it's, it's an opportunity to, to make a difference one person at a time. And the movement, I, I smile every time I, I talk about it as a movement, and it has become that. The movement is, it's actually its own hashtag now, starts with one. Starts with one. And, and what that means is we have, a, we have an opportunity to make a difference in another person's life, and we don't know the ripples that that deliberately, actively, positively uplifting of another human, we have no idea what the ripples of that will be. One of the examples I use is, is I do travel quite a bit and I was in a hotel and there's a little note that said, um, hope you enjoy your stay. And it was signed Laura, who was the housekeeper, right? And I'm like, okay, that's, that's nice. Maybe she's angling for a tip. Maybe it's just a ni nice note. Maybe, who knows? And I came out of my room. Oh, and she left little Hershey Kisses next to it, which was also a, a nice touch, right? So I come out of my room and I see a housekeeping cart. And I, I go up to it and I'm like, are you Laura? She's like, yes, sir. I said, hey, Laura. I wanted to thank you for the extra care you've given. It makes my stay so much easier. Thank you so much. And I looked at her and held eye contact for a second and I smiled. And she she took a breath and she stood up straighter. And she was like, oh, it's my pleasure, sir. And it was just like, okay, one small interaction. She was going along, she was doing her job, and, you know, I asked her her name, and she was very meek. 
yes, sir. Right. It's, I mean, she was very meek. And by the time I had had a two sentence exchange with her, she was standing up straighter, breathing more deeply and smiling. And all I did was acknowledge her work. I called her by name. I looked her in the eye and I smiled. And what would happen if we each look someone in the eye, like, listen to this, two seconds worth, not even two seconds. That's long enough to register eye color. But I will bet that the last person, I'll bet that the last person you, you interacted with, you didn't notice their eye color, right? At the grocery store, at the, you know, at, at your barista, your, you know, whoever it is. And it's amazing because at home, do you even look your partner in the eye anymore? Like, pay attention to that. We're talking mindfulness and technology. It's like, no, but I'm looking my iPhone in the eye. It's like, well, that's lovely, right? So eye contact, smile, use the other person's name. That's where rehumanization goes. And what I do with this, Robert, is, is what if this... Laura, the housekeeper, what if she went from having a mediocre or bad day to actually having a good day? And what if she brought that home? I don't know her story, but what if she had kids at home? And instead of coming home, she goes, instead of, instead of her going, Oh, what a day. What do you want for here? Here's cereal for dinner, right? Or whatever, you know, she comes home and she's like, Hey kids, right? And she's more interactive and and better. And what if they're studying for a test? And what if, like, I just played this out to the big what if place of what if just by my making uh, eye contact, smiling, calling her by name, what if her kids pass a test differently tomorrow because I called somebody by name and held eye contact and smiled at them today? It's huge. It's huge. I, I would encourage people to try it. I, I absolutely <laughs> believe you. I, I know how much of an impact it can have. One of the first blog postings I wrote on Technology for Mindfulness was when I stumbled across something similar when I was at an international legal conference. I go to this every year. The halls are filled with people from many countries, different cultures who don't speak the same language and who are stressed out because we're all there trying to network to drum up business. So <laughs> I remember walking through the halls and I just, I smiled at someone as they were cross, you know, walking by. First, you know, they were all grimaced and they lit up. This person lit up. So then I, I just did it as an experiment and said to myself, I was just going to try smiling at everyone. And I tried to do it in a natural way because, you know, when you smile at someone in a forced way, it can creep them out. Right, right. Uh, but uh, I just thought I'm going to set a, a feeling within myself of warmth towards other people here and I'll smile. And it was amazing. First, most, I mean, no one didn't smile back. But the more amazing thing was, People struck up conversations mm -hmm. with me <laughs> out of the blue, yes. <laughs> yeah. you know? And it, as you said, it's the very same thing as with Laura. Their whole demeanor, I could see the body language and posture change. And, I, I, you know, I didn't say a word to it. It was a very meaningful experience. So for anyone who's out there who might be a little bit skeptical, you know, there's lots of ways in which you can try this out. It's kind of no skin off your back if you're maybe embarrassed about it. And I think you 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 would just be be amazed uh, what impact it can have on the other person and on you, you know, and then that can feed back in both directions. And I'd love to hear some more about what 
this starts with one movement is all about, you know, how people can get involved in it and the kind of work you do with people as part of this. Thanks, Robert. Yeah, the uh, the whole point of all of this is that we never know the impact that we make. You know, you were you were at a law conference and you were able to connect with people differently just because you chose to smile. I was in a hotel just because, uh, you know, and, and made a, a connection with a housekeeper I'll never see again. And who knows what the ripples of that are. And so it's incredible. I think our ability to look someone in the eye, to smile and to use their name, if you know it, it makes all the difference. And I actually have a 21-day challenge. It's, it's free. It's to get people to really think about, talk about mindfulness. It's to get people really thinking about how, what impact can we make today? And so for 21 days, three weeks, can you, can you set yourself up to get a new challenge every day from me? And you will find that at startswithone.com. It's, it's kind of fun. I've had, you know, the people that have gone through it are like, oh my gosh, you wrote today for me. It's like, well, yeah, I wrote it for all of us, really. I wrote it for all of us. It's just, it really is, it's a fun 21 days of, okay, today I practice doing this. And then, you know, the next day you'll get an email, today I practice doing this. And sometimes it's what language will you use? Sometimes it's, did you notice the person's eye color? Sometimes it's somebody at work, or did you focus on somebody in your own family? And sometimes it's simple reflection. So I think you'll have a lot of fun with it. Starts with one.com. That's great. Yeah, we'll definitely post that in the show notes as well. And it makes me think you started out by talking about the need to, for people to be rehumanized, you know, and these, these all sound like ways of practicing being human, maybe being more deeply human. And maybe, could you talk a little bit about why, why or how it is you think we've become, I assume, somewhat dehumanized? Well, yeah, back to technology, I think. You know, that we are more connected now more than ever. And at the same time, we're more disconnected now more than ever. You know, there's... Uh, I think the the last study was 80% of people surveyed feel like they're disconnected even from the people around them. And that's that's problematic. You know, we're I will admit to being guilty of it as well that you know, I'll be with family sometimes and phone will go off and I'm just going to check this real quick or I'm just going to I just need to or I just it's like you don't just need to in that moment. The truth is you don't just need to. That message will wait for you another three minutes. And, and so really it's about presence. And so starts with one is about how much more present can you be? And if you look at what's happening worldwide, we are so divided. We're just, we've come to this place where it's almost been a game, you know, and nobody comes to a debate going, yes, please sway me. You've made up your mind. And so... You know, I think if we take the time to go, okay, I actually want to connect with another human. That is a different kind of mindset than I know what I believe. And through unconscious bias, you basically filter out what you don't want to hear. And this allows you to look someone in the eye and go, oh, brown eyes. That's cool. You know, everybody has a story and we don't know what the full story behind anybody 
anybody's you know full history. We don't know that. And so if we look them in the eye, if we know their name and call them by name, if we smile, it's those are, you know, I keep repeating those things because they're so easy to do. And yet, you know, without being deliberate about it, it's uh, it's lost. And so I, I also use the term deliberately, actively, positively uplifting that you're that right. That's the mindful part. Yes, it's it's intentional. It, it it maybe could eventually become more of a habit, but I'm right there with you. With for all of us, if we've lost some of these habits, it does take some intentional effort. And as you mentioned in the, in the, with respect to the gift, takes some practice. And it may seem strange to have to practice some of these things, but if but that is what it can take is to practice being attentive to someone else and do it repeatedly and do it over and over again and be a little bit easy on yourself if you then find that you aren't maybe as attentive as you're setting your mind to and keep working at it. And and as you know from mindfulness practice, you'll get other thoughts that come through. Awesome. You know, part of mindfulness is to acknowledge those thoughts and either let them go or make use of them. So that's part of the practice, too, is what did you notice? Like, what did you notice? And for you, as you were talking about going through that law conference, what you noticed is that the more you smiled at people, the more people smiled back and actually wanted to talk to you. You became much more approachable. It's huge, right? Dolly Parton was uh, one of her famous quotes that I really love is, um, you know, make sure to give a smile to someone who doesn't have one. That's awesome. Just like, that's awesome. It is. I, I, another thing I learned from that was, you know, often I think, uh, I, I know I feel this way if I want, if I'm at a conference, I feel pressured to network and initiate conversation. I put pressure on myself. What am I going to say? What do I need to say to be effective and achieve some goal? And the smiling practice, you know, taught me if I change my attitude towards people, it may just create a conversation. <laughs> the other person, as you say, may be attracted towards uh, initiating one with me. And then the pressure, the pressure dissipates at that point. It's so true. So true. You become the object, right? You become the target for people who want to <laughs> almost want to know what you're smiling about. Yes. It's like, nobody is attracted to the person who's frowning. Oh, I wonder what they're frowning about. Let me go up and find out. It's it's like, there's somebody who looks like they're enjoying life. I want to be around that person. And really, so this is the challenge then to be that person. Yeah, and it goes back, you know, you talk about gratitude. That's another thing to practice that can help cultivate that attitude. You know, I, I wonder if you can speak to, uh, you know, part, part of what I think can hold us back from gratitude is fear the tendency towards self-judgment or self-criticism. You know, when you were talking about the steps of gift, you mentioned certain ways in which we can maybe gravitate towards thinking that what we've done isn't enough. It's not a big enough of a step. We haven't achieved enough. You are a clinical psychologist as well. Can you can you talk to this? I mean, I know that the people who came back and first brought mindfulness back to the U.S. from from the Eastern countries said that you know that's what they said they were so struck with the the prevalence of self-judgment 
in the U.S. And how uh, that, that wasn't something that the Eastern mindfulness teachers had to deal with a lot. <laughs> they, had, they adapted mindfulness to the U.S. to deal with, uh, what would you call it, habitual self-judgment as the primary thing to deal with. Well, if you think about it, the voice in your head that's judging you isn't often your voice, right? That, that it's like, well, that's not good enough is not you, typically. It's a parent, a teacher, someone that you've let in. And that is telling you that you've got to do better in order to be more accepted. Our biggest fear is not public speaking, right? People used to go, oh, public speaking, it's, it's a fear worse than fearing death. It's like, no, actually, the fear of public speaking is actually a fear of ostracism. It's a fear of being judged so harshly that you'll be cut out from the tribe. And so this self-judgment that we impose is another person's voice. It's the person at the office who is going to judge you for being late or wearing that thing or submitting that kind of report. It's the person at home who somehow mimics the voice or image that you grew up with. And so that is the internalized voice and the only voice that you need to begin to pay attention to in terms of judgment is yours. And that's one of the questions is whose voice is it that you're hearing? And to recognize that and do some journaling about that. It's like, wow, I, you know, I, I didn't realize I was carrying my dad's voice with me or my mom's voice with me or that teacher's voice with me. I didn't realize. Uh, and when you do realize you're able to let it go and then the self judgment, because you're not good enough according to whom, right? It becomes, wow, I'm, I'm good enough. I have, I have gifts that nobody else has. And then it turns to, I must share them, right? That it's, it, it's almost selfish if you don't share them. Now, if you make it about you, that's a different thing. But if you make it about your gifts that you are using to, to lift other people, that's amazing. That's really part of what makes us human. This reminds me of something that you and I chatted about briefly before the interview, which, you know, you were talking about influencers, and we all know that term has become really widespread and prominent on the internet, and it seems like everyone wants to be an influencer these days. And you have a bit of a different idea, <laughs> which, which I think relates to what you were just talking about, about the, you know, that you can give. Can you just tell people, I really, I really find this idea attractive of, you know, what, what might be healthy for us to seek to be rather than an influencer? Yeah, thank you. I, I have become known as the outfluencer. And the, the reason is, is that I've been talking about, look, influence is about me, 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 so often, you know, you look at Instagram stories and people are, who are actually, some of them doing very dangerous things just to get the likes, right? Just to get the, get the notice, get the likes. And, you know, luckily there are a few influencers out there that are about influencing toward the positive and that's great. And I consider those to be the outfluencers where you take influence uh, to me, the progression is you have influence and then you have success. And success is still uh, really an accounting of the things you've acquired. Look what I did. Look what I made. Look how much I have. 
how many likes I have, how much money I have, whatever it is, that's, that's a personal accounting of a thing, you know, and that's where people measure their success. And, and I think we need to move to the next place, which is a place of significance. And that's what I call the significance factor. Because when you measure what you have, you have success. When you measure the impact on others, that's when you have significance. And, and so I'm not opposed to people saying, look at me, as long as they're leveraging it towards, and this is, uh, this is my own values, my judgment, my values. But I, I really think that when you leverage your ability to have eyes on you, to the place of what positive difference can I make in the world, that becomes a place of significance. It's why I wrote The Significance Factor. It's all about that journey. Can you measure your success? Do you know what kind of style you have as a leader? And really, how do you measure how you've given back? And that's, that's really how I got to writing the, uh, it's, it's become a number one, it's one of, the number one best-selling books I have, and it's called The Significance Factor, The Significance Factor. Yeah, and I, I'm guessing, you know, because so much of what you're talking about is how to to give, I assume that's where you came up with GIFT from as well as your, as your acronym that we started out this conversation with. Well, I actually developed that most recently. It's oh. certainly, it's been in my thinking, so while the, the acronym GIFT is not in the book, please take, take that kind of concept with you as you read the book. I do, you know, Robert, I have that as a, as a gift. I do have that as a gift for uh, the listening audience if, if you want to give that to your listeners. Oh, yeah. So tell, tell people how they can, what, what it is that they can get and tell them where they can go. That's awesome. So the, uh, the significance factor, I have... I have five books out there and uh, a few of them, you know, made it to number one on the, on as bestsellers in Amazon. The Significance Factor is a number one bestselling book. You can get that for free as a download at waynepurnell.com slash free. So there are a couple of places that we've talked about today that I'd love to have you go. One is startswithone.com and the other is Wayne Purnell. As long as you spell my name right, W-A-Y-N-E-P-E-R-N-E-L-L.com slash free, you can get the, you can look around my website, you can get the, uh, the significance factor as a download for free. That's fantastic. That's, th th thank you very much. Uh, I'm sure people will go and check it out. And for anyone who's driving, we don't want you to take notes. It'll all be in the show notes as well, uh, where you can get all of this. And, you know, what, what else can people do to find out about you, to connect with you, to, to work with you? Any events or workshops that people should know about that they might be interested in? That's fantastic, Robert. I have this opportunity to work in a small breakthrough retreat-like workshop. I do a breakthrough mastermind where there's only 12 people at the table. And it's called Stuck at the Top. And we talked about the, the journey people take. And, and, you know, sometimes they take this journey, they have success, but they don't feel either successful or fulfilled. It's like, I know there's more, right? That ache that you know there's more. You've done a lot, you have a lot, and yet you feel like there's got to be something else. 
the retreat is all based on that. It's a breakthrough mastermind. It's held April 24th and 25th, and it is called Stuck at the Top. And if you if you check out stuckatthetop.com, I do have some early bird pricing going on right now. So stuckatthetop.com will get you clarity. It'll get you presence. Like it'll get you focused back into your values. Who are you? And more important, who do you need to become? Because I know this listening audience is, you're not slackers. You Like each of you has a mission. And what that means is, how do you get it out? How do you get that next level? How do you push yourself to get to that next place where you just feel like you've got this? So that's why I put together the retreat, stuckatthetop.com. Thanks so much. Well, you've you've just wrapped up the conversation with several gifts uh, to our listeners. So I really thank you for that. Uh, I, I learned a lot. I really appreciate it. Your focus on, you know, on introspection and on using that to, to give back and to, you know, change the presence that you, that you have in the world. So thanks so much, Dr. Wayne, for being on the Technology for Mindfulness podcast. I really enjoyed speaking with you. What a pleasure, Robert. It's been, it's been really great to be here. Bye now. Thanks for joining us for this Technology for Mindfulness podcast with me, Robert Plotkin, and today's guest, author, speaker, and global executive coach, Dr. Wayne Purnell. You can find out more about Dr. Wayne at waynepurnell.com. That's W-A-Y-N-E-P-E-R-N-E-L-L.com. If you liked today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review and share the episode with your friends. And don't forget to also check out our blog at technologyformindfulness.com for tips about how to beat digital distraction in order to be more focused, productive, and happy. And if you sign up for our mailing list now, you'll receive our free guide on how to manage your technology use and achieve balance with your technology. That guide is full of simple and practical tips that you can use to beat digital distraction and to take control over how you use technology. I'm Robert Plotkin, and I'll join you next time on the Technology for Mindfulness podcast with David Klein, the founder of America Offline, an organization that helps kids to reconnect with each other and with the world around them through sports and the arts. 